Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Molk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as the weekly writer, Gruen researcher, backburner head writer, utterly unfunny, Andrew Bolt. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, James Colley. Hello, thank you for having me. James, it is wonderful to finally get to speak to you, despite what other people might say about you online. <laughs> <laughs> in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, usually with an apology. Um, no, it's... it's I, well, I should actually check up on this. It's usually just a nice hello and a handshake. Do you mean uh, professionally? I, I mean however you want to read that. Okay, um... Oh, I'll go with a sweet fist bump and say, hey, it's your boy James. (laughs) Do you have many professional situations where you need to introduce yourself? Well, because you're a writer, are you kind of known before you get to have those moments? Oh, God, no. Oh, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) It it terrifies me when someone um, has, say, read the back burner beforehand because I feel like I owe them an apology. Like, luckily for the weekly and Gruen, they're big teams. So, um, a lot of you get a lot of praise for other people's work, and I'm comfortable with that because you can just deflect that and be like, "Oh, turns out that wasn't me. That was another writer who's much better than me. It's fine." Uh, when it's about Please. say backburner stuff, it's scary. It's truly frightening. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm shouting into a void, and to know there are people in the void gives me the feeling that Lassie has when she finds someone stuck in a well. <laughs> that's three you have three very very decent uh portfolios of work to lean on i mean backburner with sbs comedy is excellent oh, and daily there is new excellent work put on there not only by you but other people uh gruen won a logie this year so that's testament to the work that you put in there i, I okay fair <laughs> you're not the only person but everyone gets to take a little bit of a, a tick out of that and the weekly has been on song this year. It's been really nice. It feels like um, for a lot of these, for Gruen, we're lucky that I entered a team that had been firing on all cylinders for the better part of a decade. So uh, my role there was more than anything, try not to break anything. Um, <laughs> the weekly, I've, I've been really happy with how it's been growing. Um, it was the first show I got to work on and everyone was very lovely and accepting uh, of me and bring me in. And it seems like, um, yeah, the show's going from strength to strength, so I can't see what I can't wait to see what happens next. And yeah, the backbone is a weird beast. It was, it's an accident that it's gone so well, and you know, could be shut down at any time. Who knows? But um, <laughs> it's it's been kind of a wild ride, and it's now just sticking on and seeing, just doing the best work we can for as long as we can, and hopefully someone likes it, and not too many people hate it. Or, or the people that hate it are the people that are the, the, the derision is pointed at. Well, you know, they, they have their say every so often, and it's always nice to hear from your fans. What, what's it like in a writing room on the weekly, for example? Because this is an uncommon scenario in Australia to have, well, to have more than a couple of writers on a TV show to start with, but to have such a collection of writers, as has been on the weekly, is pretty amazing. It's really lovely, and I feel like um, I was terrified for the first season any time I was talking in the writers' room because it was it's a list of people who I have you know grown up admiring their comedy and um, being Mm. huge fans of, and 
I think what uh, makes the show as good as it is is that uh, you won't find a group of people who uh, are more inviting of great ideas and who don't care who it comes from. There'll be a great idea from from Charlie down to whoever grabs the coffee or what. Like, it doesn't matter where it comes from. The idea is always taken on face value. And as a group of people, it's lovely and it has ruined every other room for me because I don't <laughs> think I'll ever be in a room with such funny people and now as soon as you get back it's like coming home from summer camp it really feels like like now the season's yep. wrapped up it's like oh but I want to go back and have fun with all my friends <laughs> did they set you up in that very dingy office space that is in a building the street across from the the studios at Elstonwick uh we are in yeah we're in a little area it's a street over it's opposite the holocaust museum uh, mm. Which is really brings you back to earth if you've just had like a light, fun day of writing comedy and you walk out and be like, oh, yeah, there are real things in this world that are terrible. <laughs> um, and the the studio themselves, you know, it's, oh, it could be worse. I don't like it's, it's pretty uh, interesting. The, the walls and the roof are an interesting shade of brown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, look, I'll, I'll say this. Anyone who wants to complain about ABC waste should go into an ABC office and look at the cutlery drawer in the kitchen because yeah. you will have 40 people sharing a fork. That is efficiency <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty horrible. I completely agree. I was luck- lucky enough to have a bit of a, a walk around. Uh, it was probably a couple of years ago when Mad as Hell was in full swing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and saw the space, and I just got told this is the space that we give to all of the rooms when, uh, you know, all the comedy productions when they're on. Yeah. And at that point, it was about, you know, eight or ten people hard at work. Sean had an office, blah blah blah. Uh, but there was lots and lots of spare space, and I'll. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a interesting space. It often like it's rare. You sometimes look around and be like. Like, this is where the magic happens. <laughs> it, does, it does seem like somewhere that, like, it, it wouldn't be out of place if it was the office from the office. Uh, yes. Like, it looks like somewhere that could do, like, a decent business selling stationery. Like, they're not the best stationery sellers, but they're, like, top ten. They yeah. can have a good quarter every now and again and hit the top five, but it's mid-range. Yeah, at best. <laughs> it's... um. It's an amazing situation and such talent. I have to offer James, not only yourself uh, in that writer's room and Charlie that you mentioned, of course, Tom and Kitty both would do some writing, yeah. throw in people like Cal Wilson, Jared McCulloch, the head writer for the team, Adam Rosenbach's drawn in. There's a real huge array of, co- of, of comedy writing skill in that room, isn't there? Yeah, it's wonderful. Like It's something that um, we reflect on for the like, half an hour deep into the rap party each season where we let ourselves actually be emotional at each other. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's an incredible team. Like all the people you mentioned, uh, Melina Wicks, Scott Abbott, mm. Michael Chamberlain, like they're, um, and Dan yeah, yeah. Burt, of course. Like they're, yeah. they're, it's so great to have like such a large writer's room where for every single person in there, you can see why they're there and you feel lucky to be in a room with them and you draw something from them. Like particularly... I'm like um, the the kid in there, and I feel like um, I'm I'm on the best work experience that's ever happened. It's like they <laughs> they assembled a little dream team for me, and now I'm just trying to like sponge all the possible knowledge I can get so I don't put it to waste. <laughs> and and I can understand that it is 
I think if you let it become so, it would be very intimidating, wouldn't it be? Oh, yeah. And, like, luckily, it's, like, it's all in your own head. Like, there's no lovely group of people that, um, you, like, there was a lot of time where, particularly the first season, where I'd have to be, like, oh, this is an interesting, like, I think this is an interesting idea, but I don't want to take it to the comedy behemoths, because (laughs) who the hell am I? Oh, look, the weekly people, check it out on ABC iView. It was so, so fun. I have some more questions, James, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Can you tell me what happened last time your heart was broken? Ooh, wow, this is a jump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get serious now. Change gears. Um, um, last time my heart was broken was in the 87th minute of the A-League Grand Final when sloppy play around their own box let the Wanderers drop to a 3-1 <laughs> deficit, which meant we lost our third Grand Final in a row. Nice. Oh, no. No, I mean nice as in that's a, you're, <laughs> that you're able to pinpoint the moment. Oh, it was the the second that goal went in, it was like Lisa Simpson watching Ralph's heartbreak. Like, <laughs> oh. oh, I love the Simpsons. That's such a great moment too. <laughs> Is soccer, has sorry, has football been a large part of your life? Uh, I played it as a kid all the way up until like from like five until... 18 or 19 but um it's something special about that team like anyone um from the area anyone from western sydney will talk about like this is the first time i've ever seen a group capture the spirits of western sydney and put the words western sydney first like since then since they've come through you've had things like the university of western sydney changing to western sydney university which seems like a waste of marketing money but to me someone out there like it means an awful lot it, like it's yep. so rare it's been so long since you've had real proper pride in the area and nothing can be more important than that and it's just wonderful to see really um so i can't i i have such a love and affinity for them for that reason it's it's the soccer barely comes into it like i love watching them play <laughs> and i love soccer but that's not why i care so much about that team this is home for you yeah and it's 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 so nice. Like I, I do my pilgrimage out to the Panthers and stuff like that. But um, it's rare to see. And you know, you you see the negative media reports every so often and stuff like that. It's not perfect, mm. but um, it's so nice to see pride being taken in the area, and I love that. And I like um, getting like I, I feel I've had a chip on my shoulder for so long, and it's nice to be able to be proud of where you're from, even when let's say the most prominent spokesperson from the area is Mark Latham. Um, You can still find some pride because he doesn't actually speak for you. Yeah. How would you describe your experience of family? Um, I had, I would say a problematically supportive family for an artist. Like uh, if you're, if you're trying to make good work, it's, it's annoying how wonderful my parents are. They've been, (laughs) So understanding they've been together. My dad's like a twenty year rap man, my mum is a nurse, like um they they were lovely supportive people. Even when like when I was fifteen and my dad still thought I was gonna go into the Air Force, uh I am a coward, it's not happening. But um uh he would uh I, I said I want to do stand up and I'd started doing it a little bit and I said this is what I want to do and he came along and he watched one of my gigs and um just went reported back to mum yeah, he can do this. And then that was it. It was never like a doubt. There. It's like, yeah, this is what he wants to do. He's fine at it. Go for it. 
Wow, that's a hell of a vote of confidence. It's pretty nice, eh? They, I, I can imagine that a lot of other parents in a, in the same situation, that their report back might be, it's a nice hobby, darling, but what are you going to do, really? Yeah, I think um, uh, it was lucky it was a good gig. If it had gone terrible, <laughs> so I might be Staff Sergeant Collie or something like that at this stage. Probably much lower. Probably, like... I don't know. I, I don't even know the rap ranks. This is how terrible a son I am. Whoever has to scrub the planes. <laughs> yeah, see see all of that that fuel tank that has caused lots of other people to die? Get in there and clean that out. <laughs> What's your superpower then, James? My superpower? The one I wish to have or the one I do have? Let's, let's hear uh, both in reverse. Okay, uh, one I do have, I have an incredible ability to snatch any insult from the mouth of a compliment. Um, I, I, I think uh, my superpower is uh, uh, intense, like, uh, ability to uh, take in a lot of information. And, like, I love being bombarded with data and stuff like that and deconstructing mm-hmm. things and putting them back together. So uh, I guess uh, the when you see, like, a four-year-old with an alarm clock and a hammer, if that counts as a superpower, that's what I have. <laughs> it would help a lot with your comedy and writing, I'd imagine, too, yeah? Yeah, it's pretty not Like, I come from a physics background. Uh, like, I did physics at, at university, and I really like um, I like pulling things apart. I like understanding how they work. It's part of, like, the show mm. I'm working on right now um, is all about um, the idea behind the satire I like best, which is that you allow yourself to come in fresh-faced, presuming that everything's amazing, and then be horrified by what the world is actually like. But you don't let yourself have the preconceptions of, well, it's always been like this, because that's not an excuse. Uh, so it's, I think, wanting to know how things got this way, how they work, how could they be more efficient, how could they work better, it's a nice place to be it means that you're pushing towards solutions instead of just rattling a cage wow what part of science particularly physics attracted you to want to study it at university um i really love the stories which is a strange thing to do because like i also studied literature and i really like the science of that no uh, uh i uh, i really like the stories of it that um there, there are beautiful, like, you, you wouldn't know this, but there are beautiful love stories and, and human moments in science. It's not as, mm. like, you, you push it as sort of such a logical balance, but it's also a, a thing created by people and um, and the way our, our thought processes move together and just, like, the cute little names for things and stuff like that have such a wonderful history. And I remember learning it in high school off, like, uh, um, an incredible teacher, Mr. Mills, and... Uh, I remember the moment where he, like, we're in some demountable in 40-degree heat at the back of Penrith High, <laughs> and, like, he, he closed a book and went, that's as much as we'll teach you. Good luck for your exams. And that was, like, the end of the course. And I was like, oh, no, I still have questions. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where it was. And I should, like, be very clear, I was terrible at it. I was really, like, <laughs> part of, like, the real push into comedy was, like, being like, I'm never going to discover anything. I'm not going to push this forward. Let's not do it. Let's not bother. <laughs> <laughs> I did, Full disclosure, I studied applied science, chemistry, physics at university mm-hmm. and absolutely hated fluid mechanics. It was the thing that just got under my skin that I cared least about. Yep, that's me for thermo. 
I don't oh. I don't care about thermodynamics. Hot things get cold. I get it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good for like analogies and kind of half baked short stories. But other than that, I don't care. Yes, and I don't even think that the actual scientists really care. <laughs> That's the interesting thing about physics degrees as well in Australia. You get um, at the end of the bachelor, uh, you are incredibly well prepared to be in a lab in about nineteen seventy six. <laughs> like if you want to do something it's another like seven or eight years you know, my, yeah. my degree took long enough I'm fine and in part that's because the lab that you've been in was one from 1960 something yeah funny you should mention that I remember um, once getting weird readings on something and it was because mm. like it was radiating too much because the layer of protective gold had melted away over the 30 oh. years the sam- sample had been there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Oh, man. We have so many war stories that we will catch up with afterwards. <laughs> What's your favorite takeaway food choice? Um, ooh, it's a tough choice. When I came back to Sydney after being long away, there's this particular pizza place, Manush Pizza. It's mm-hmm. incredible little store, and that was the first go-to. Um, but I think it's always going to be uh, sushi. I will eat sushi to my own death. Like, um, mm-hmm. it needs to be taken away from me, or I, <laughs> like, I will drain the ocean. Is there a particular sushi that is your fascination, or just the broader church of the sushi uh, whichever is closest to my hand as i like shovel <laughs> things in my mouth with no regard <laughs> so great i'm uh to to jump back and and i apologize for the sushi sidebar you mentioned before the snatching an insult uh, you know out of the mouth of a compliment that self-deprecation is that something that you but you use because it's you find it uncomfortable to be praised, or it's an a, uh, an overblown, an exaggerated natural talent you have. Uh, I believe uh, that I'm like nine or ten therapy sessions from really getting to the bottom of it. But um, <laughs> no, it's it's like I, I very much like appreciate uh, praise and stuff like that, and you get better at taking compliments. Like I. I remember being told off by an old girlfriend of just being like, when I say something nice to you, just say thank you, and that's all you have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's pretty helpful. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of it is also that, like, eh, I don't, like, uh, I I do what I do for my own reasons, and I don't require praise. I'm not searching for it, so it's Mm. always very nice. Um, But, uh I'm more comfortable being told what I'm not good at than what I'm good at, because at the very least I'm familiar with that topic. Yeah. Have you used it as a weapon before? Um, on myself, certainly. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like it's, it's always in the arsenal and like, it's, it's something that we all use like, um, to hang down on yourself. It's just fun a lot of the times and it can make, um, it can really, allow for more brutal jokes. It opens the world. Like I'm thinking in basketball terms, because that's how I always think, but it's like, it spaces the floor. It gives you more space to move because if Mm. this is how you speak on yourself, it's more okay for you to uh, move elsewhere as well. And like be a little more uh, like brutal, let's say, let's not paint it up, like be more brutal elsewhere because you're saying like you're, you're doing the ultimate version of no exceptions. Yeah. 
How do you get your tires pumped then? How I get my tires pumped? Yeah, like how do you how do you get the because we all we all need from time to time that the praise to you know give us the ups or to inflate you know our, our deflated sense of ego whether we've done it ourselves or otherwise so that we can charge on and charge into the next thing. Yeah, um, well, like I, I want to make absolutely no mistake here. I have a massive and unbearable ego. Like if anything, like the self-deprecation is a desperate balancing act because like it's, it's not that I completely lack confidence. I'm hitting on myself. I have far too much confidence. I, I have a really, really bad habit of um, getting drunk and shouting that I'm the voice of my generation to anyone else who are also in my generation and actively disagree because of course they should. <laughs> it's, it's, like the confidence thing is not an issue. If anything, this is like a lovely limiter to put on it. To like, like self-deprecation is the only thing. It's it's like a crypt, uh, a Superman having that little ring of kryptonite. And if you want to see how out of control my ego is, I did just improvise an analogy where I'm Superman in a scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, there is. Settle back, people. There's a lot to cover in all of this. Um, well, thank you, James. That's that. No, I, I hear you loud and clear around the, um, uh, you know, around the sense of self and those sorts of things because it can be quite often and and very clearly it's something that you're struggling with, but not from the same perspective. That when you speak to people, particularly comedy writers and and comedy people, the sense of self they feel that if if you know if something bad isn't going on in my life, then what is there to be funny about that? There's great humor found in, um, the things that are bad and horrible happening to me. Uh, but the quite often, if you've got a good ego, then you might overlook those things. Yeah. I, I found it was a trap that I would often make for myself as well. That like, um, I would, uh, believe that the only way I could write good comedy would be when I was sad. And, um, you know, I've done mm. my time there and actually in a very good place right now. But, um, I, I found that like, I don't, I don't think that's as true as I used to think it was. I think that when, when you are in a bad place, it's just easier to justify anything as art. It's much easier to be like, it's like when it's raining and you can put your hand on a train window and be like, wow, I'm so deep. Like, whereas, <laughs> um, being joyful and not being able to, particularly in satire, not being able to default to the cynical makes you challenge yourself. It's that you yeah. can't just keep kicking. You have to be kicking for a reason. You have to have some light at the end of the tunnel. Otherwise, why the hell are you doing it? Mm. Yeah, I hear that. So what challenges you? Um, I want to be the like, and I'll put this in very explicit terms. I don't believe I am. I don't believe I ever will be. But I want to be the best writer ever. And so that's what it always is. It's that um, you set yourself an impossible goal. Everyone wants to be Michael Jordan. None of us are going to be Michael Jordan, but you just keep going for that because why would you ever be aiming to be the second or third best? And it's like you need to have eyes on that. You can't just let that go unchecked because firstly, mm. don't, like you can't walk around like you are when you're not. But also... Um, you have to be comfortable with what you can do and be satisfied. And like, I feel like over the years, my abilities are getting slowly closer to my taste and I'm starting to produce more and more things I like and I enjoy. 
And uh, well, the challenge is just keep that up and keep trying to get better and trying to improve myself and keeping eyes on myself and listening. Like that's it's it's always a worry that you get to a certain point where you just uh, get high on your own supply and you stop listening. And I think it's so important to to keep that and all the people i respect as writers are amazing listeners who are some of the people that you look to as as inspirations and mentors um i think uh i was very very lucky to go under the stewardship uh, at the weekly of jared mcculloch i think mm. um i think he's an incredible person both for his writing and writing style his style of running the ship there and also just as a person he's a very good uh like uh, archetype for being who you are and being accepting of other people like there are certain things like in in anything like comedy is a land of outsiders and like um where and you can often find like people like you huddle together in certain areas and stuff like that and there's uh something to be said for if you are just yourself and you work hard and you are kind then things do work out. And there are people all through this industry and we're lucky to have so many of them at the weekly who approve of that. It's that no one is above or below you. Everyone mm. is just trying hard and working hard and trying to make the best thing as possible. And we've seen a, a, a lot of that great outcome on the weekly, it, well, even just this season, but certainly last season as well. That there's been some amazing moments, some set pieces, some... Uh, interviews or, or pre-recorded pieces or even I, I think one that stands out from last season was uh, the Cal Wilson, Casey Bonetto Don't Rape song mm. that was just outrageous and then delivered in such an over-to-the-top fashion. It was brilliant. It was really great. It's like, it's so bold and it was it was something that we're all very proud of uh, watching come together and of course uh, Miranda and the other singers did such an incredible job at executing it too yeah. and and full credit to them as well Like uh, it's one of those moments where you sit back and think like I'm thrilled that this is something that um, is on Australian television and I'm so lucky that I've got to be a part of this, that I've got to be in the room where it was happening because I think uh, it's like in this country particularly, you're lucky enough to be working and then you're incredibly lucky to be making a difference if you are. Mm. And if you can think that like you, there, there might have been some positive good in some small way to come from our stuff, that means the world to me. I mean, I, I monitor our Twitter feed as part of the work and um, when you get messages from like schools and things and, and uni saying that they've been watching the stuff in class, like you have to think both how wonderful it is that you got to be part of that and that our mm. education needs funding because what the hell are they doing watching television in class? <laughs> they need to get back to the damn books. Don't you remember watching BTN, uh, <laughs> like pre-recorded on VCR every week? I do remember BTN. Oh, what a show. You know it's still around, just in a transformed kind of mode now. Oh, really? I, yeah, on ABC3, I think, uh, a couple of times a week, I'm going to say. My obsession is, um, and the thing I rant about most is, NX on 24. I, uh, yep. I, I'm fascinated by NX, and I, I want to get inside there. <laughs> the social media engine. That's it. That is NX. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Uh, the hardest truth I've had to deliver. I might take a second to think about this one. Sure. 
I wonder if I have a blessed life because I'm really struggling here. <laughs> uh, I'm usually here for the bullshit. Uh, you know, there's there've been like very very sad times and like um, mm. we've lost friends along the way and stuff like that and that's you know incredibly hard to have to deliver that. Uh, and in fact, that's that's like I, I think about now that that's a time when um, the whole being a, a joking idiot. Uh, doesn't help a lot like it helps a lot <laughs> yes. a couple of days after but when you actually have to deliver terrible news like I remember um, having to uh, pass on the story of like a friend passing away uh, uh, to mm. an, an, like my first girlfriend but like we'd just broken up a couple uh, like about a month beforehand and um, I had to deliver that message and then she responded uh, and I might swear just once here sorry but um that's not fucking funny, James, and then hung up the phone. And I was like, what a weird joke for me to pull. Like, I was mm. I was not just, uh, like, thinking, like, that's sad, and I'd have to break the news, and obviously she's in shock. I was also offended on the behalf of my comedy, because if I was selling that joke, I would have sold it better. It's a fucking weird joke to make in the first place. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. Yeah, that, well, that gets very dark very quickly, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> Man, it's such a, a shame that in modern society, too many people have to deliver that kind of news these days. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I know, I, it's, I, I've never gained a lot of great perspective on it, and I don't think uh, you can really. Um, there's, I, I, I feel like I've, I've nothing of worth to say other than, dang, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It can be really tough, particularly in talking to the family of the person that has passed, mm. um, because quite often yeah, not a happy time they'll get, yeah, or they'll get lots of people that are like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and and and, and that's wonderful, and and they need to hear that that people are sad for them. I think that we don't do empathy very well these days, mm. um, but there's also then the people that can almost be overcompensatory the other way. And it's like, uh, oh, is there anything? I just want everything. Oh, you're it's like, just I just need some space. I'm happy that you're here for me, and and I acknowledge that you're also sad about the person that's passed. But just chill, dude. Yeah, it's like um, I was having a thought the other day of how um, terrifying it must be to find out people are standing in solidarity with you. Like, if you don't know why, imagine like just suddenly like there you log onto Twitter and the top trending topic yes. is I stand with Mulk. You'd be like. What in hell? What happened? Actually, that would be very scary because I don't say anything of value. So, (laughs) if anybody is standing with me over anything that I've said, first, I apologize, and secondly, find another platform because I'm not it. (laughs) Time to step up, Mom. This is where your activism starts, right here. Yeah, come on, get your stuff with your. Tell your people, th- whatever. I can't believe you said that. I would like to disassociate myself from that. <laughs> See, that, that is possibly the best move that anyone can make, is distancing themselves from <laughs> There's a couple of times where you just kind of have to be like, Muh. well, like, I, I, um, there have been a few times where I've seen something going, particularly on Twitter, see something go off and just be like, that one ain't my fight. Have fun, kids. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> That is, yeah, and I agree. That's something that I've learned in my short time on uh, this social media website that you need to pick, not only pick your fights, 
but pick your support moments. Yeah, yeah, there's an awful lot of, um, oh my God, I can't believe that that happened. Are you okay? And like when you're about the ninth person sending that, I can imagine like mm. it's still very nice and it's meant with all the best intention, but chill dude, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. This is the benefits of DMs where you don't say anything public and just go, I'm here for you. That's all you have to say. Get away clean. I, Get out I've never here. DM'd and I never will. <gasps> James. It's filth. It's, it's gross. It's a dark art. How dare they? Slide into my <laughs> private messages. How dare they? <laughs> you know you can delete other people's messages to you, right? Just go get rid of it. Go on. Oh, my God. That's a game Oh, changer. see? They're now mock school of Twitter. Welcome to the party, people. Yeah. This is great. This is a tips podcast now. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Oh, probably eat a lot of jelly beans. Um, mm. Uh, it's interesting. Like we have a, a few projects we're working on right now. Gruen uh, is coming back. Uh, uh, yes. So we'll not soon enough, but yes. Well, it's 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 kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's. I'm, I'm excited to go back and like just like the the way we're writing on with um you know Gruen the weekly in the back burner. It's a nice little trio, and I'd love to see what more comes of it. Um, but right now it's more as always trying to ride the wave and not. Screw it up. <laughs> Understandable. You need another one or two shows almost to just fill out your year nicely, don't you? Yeah, I've been thinking that. I, that's why I need NX. They need to hand over the keys of NX and I'll just take that for any gap in between. Can you imagine how off the rails NX would get with you involved? Oh in my it? God, that's exactly why I want it. That's so why. Like, <laughs> I think it should be like, as it is for the first five years, they're just a bit, you think that's what the internet is saying? This is what the internet is saying. It would be, it would be like an a current affair story revealing the dark web to people. It would be <laughs> ludicrous. I cannot even Can't conceive wait. I of hope it. James. Uh, the ABC are listening. Oh please, please! I endorse James Colley getting involved in NX. That's a platform I can stand on. <laughs> Mr. Colley, thank you so much for the chance to chat with you today. Please know the things you've said are, are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> thank you for having what? me. What? That, so... That's said with sincerity. I know. I don't doubt the sincerity. I doubt the worth of the person receiving it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> that you took time out of your life to speak with me is a reason enough for it to be said. That is very kind of you and also very sweet of you to assume that I have a busy schedule in any way. <laughs> Dude, it's the tire pumping thing, right? <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Very clearly you are on Twitter. Are there any other, other social accounts that you want to admit to? Um, I think there's a Facebook page for me that gets updated every so often. Uh, that's, that's really about it. Like, um, if you like the back burner on SBS comedy, please check that out. And, you know, please, uh, follow the weekly for stuff and Gruen and continue paying your taxes. Cause that's what funds it. Yes. All of the above. I entirely endorse that. Um, and yeah, definitely people look James has got a, a great group of writers working with him on, uh, on SBS back burner, including, uh, last week we spoke with Ben McClay, oh, Thomas month. Violence. He's doing great work. Brockle Snitch. There's a, a bunch of people uh, on Twitter that are writing for that, and they do 
excellent work. Every day it is worth being challenged just to read this stuff. Um, I would just like to quickly have on the record that I do not endorse any of those writers, and I shudder <laughs> at the thought that their work is considered terrific. Uh, what well, I will have them arrested as soon as I get a firm lock on their location. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Jam Collie is indeed